0: Welcome to another episode of Power Apps. I'm your host, Leo Dion. Today, I am joined by John Bauer. John, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Before we jump into the topic of today's episode, App Clips, I'll
1: let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Great. My name is John Bauer. I've been iOS developer since iPhone OS. was a back-end developer before that, and early web developer, and. Uh, iOS for a pretty long time now, from Objective C to Swift UI to App Clips. What got you interested in App Clips in the first place? You know what? I actually didn't know really anything about App Clips. So, what the interesting thing about App Clips is that they were released, I believe, in 2019 at DubDub.
0: Yeah, and
1: of course, I had heard about them, but never really. It wasn't in my current work at my the job I was at at the at the time, so I didn't really pay too much attention to them, and then. I believe Apple, it seemed like Apple had this big rollout strategy of we're going to be in Starbucks and you're going to use an app clip and all this stuff. And I can imagine with Apple's plans, they had this huge rollout strategy. And then, of course, the pandemic happened six months later, right? So no one was going out and buying coffee. And so I don't know if that that was part of their plans or not, but it definitely seemed the world <laughs> changed a little bit. And uh, anyway, fast forward a, a couple of years I ended up switching jobs and taking a job at a company called NameTag. And NameTag, we'll get into that later, but NameTag actually had a very specific use case for AppClips. And they had decided that they were going to lean in heavy on AppClips. And that's sort of how I got into it, was sort of talking with them. And to me, at that time, it was completely new. I hadn't touched them up until that point. And once I kind of started reading about them, I was fascinated. And I was like, this is going to be really fun to work on. And so I've spent the last year or so sort of heads down in the AppClip space, working on our App Clip, finding out the good, bad, and not so ugly. And uh, it's been great. I'm really, really excited about AppClips and what they bring to the ecosystem.
0: Yeah, I remember us doing an episode years and years ago with Alex Bush. And one of his things on his wish list was... I forgot what Android calls it, but Android had this before. Instant apps. Uh, like instant. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And then they came out with app clips, which is pretty much the same thing for iOS. Kind of just before we jump into, well, I guess we'll jump into what is an app clip. Let's start with that first. And then I guess I'd like to know kind of your, what your overall thoughts on developing an app clip are and how comfortable you are and how much you like it. So, first let's define app cl- what an app clip is in case people don't know.
1: Sure. So, an app clip is a native iOS experience that can be launched on a user's device without installing your main app. As we talk about this, I'd say we'll refer to sort of your main app, your existing app, main or parent app. Those are terms can be interchangeable in this discussion, but Without installing that app, you can have a native experience on a user's phone. It's intended to be a subset of your app's functionality and certainly has restrictions, but also extremely powerful depending on your use case.
0: And then, yeah, like now that you've done it a few times, I guess, has it been a good developer experience, a pain in the butt? Like where would it fall on that scale?
1: You know, it's been great, to be honest. That's awesome. When I first started looking into app clips documentation and all that I sort of assumed that it would be very heavily crippled. The first thing you sort of read about app clips is the size constraints and experience in the Apple ecosystem for example watch apps v1 where something was tethered right and so you sort of expect watch apps v8
0: too let's not forget that.
1: Okay. <laughs> but you expect <laughs> there to be something that's extremely limited sort of provable it gets an adoption, and then they expand functionality. And so I just assumed that it would be extremely crippled. It could not have been further from the truth. I was really, really impressed with all the power that they baked into it. There is, in fact, more power than in Instant Apps. So I was just extremely impressed how much power there is in Eclipse from the get-go. So it's been great, to be honest.
0: What's a good example of an app that you think should definitely have or be an app clip?
1: Yeah, so an app clip is great for any time that a full app download is just too inconvenient or irrelevant. A lot of the typical cases I see are restaurant menus, right? So you do not and you probably would not want to download an app just for the restaurant that you happen to be at. Right. You're walking on the street. Let me try this restaurant. Oh, I have to order via an app. I'm gonna download their app. Now it's stuck on your phone. I mean, that used to be what everyone had to do. And I think we're sort of at download uh if you've download fatigue, let's call it.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. Well, I just mean like when you go to a restaurant post COVID, it's pretty much been like a QR code where you can go to a PDF. Yes. Uh, so, exactly. Yes, yeah, so, we've definitely yeah. gotten away from like having to install a whole app, so to speak.
1: Yes. And so that typically would be a web app, right? So it's just a link out to the web and there's a PDF and you can use Safari. However, you might want a more native experience for various reasons. So again, the typical use case would be a menu. I scan a QR code, I get the menu. But if you want a native experience for whatever reason, an app clip would be the way to go. POS and cashier checkout apps are popular as well. Toast is Mm -hmm. one of them. So you or a coffee shop. So you get your receipt, there's a QR code on the receipt. You scan it. You could do the entire ordering or you could do the checkout directly in the app clip. I think there's many other use cases that are possible too. And I don't know if it was because of the pandemic, but I think now people are starting to finally catch on to get creative with app clips and see what you can do with them. So I think there's more to come for sure.
0: What would be the argument you'd make to someone to say, hey, you should have an app clip as opposed to a web experience. Are there particular frameworks you have access to in an app clip that would make
1: it more worthwhile? Yes. So for example, if you're doing anything with the camera, certainly you can do some camera work in Safari. And of course you have power on the desktop browsers for things like that. But in a phone app, yeah, if you're doing anything capturing video, photos, maybe some kinds of e-commerce, yes, I would probably do that natively. Also, remember, you've got the full power of Swift UI, UI kit. So if you just want to have a really sort of beautiful native presentation, then yes, I, w- I would do it in an app clip.
2: Hi, everyone. I'm Dave Verwa. And you might know that I run the Swift Package Index along with Sven Schmidt. Thanks so much to Leo for inviting us to talk a little bit about the Package Index today. SwiftPackageIndex.com is the place to find Swift packages. We have over 5,000 packages indexed, so no matter what you're looking for, you'll find something that can help. But what we do is about more than just finding a library. We want to help you make better decisions about your dependencies. So for every package, you can see how well-maintained it is, what platforms and Swift versions it's compatible with, based on real-world build data how many other dependencies it will bring in, and much more. We also host Doxy-based documentation for package authors. But I'd also like to talk to you about what it takes to keep a site like this going. Running the package index requires constant ongoing effort maintaining the site and supporting package authors. Our work is primarily funded by the Swift community, and since you're listening to a Swift podcast, you're part of that community. So if our site has helped you find a package, or if you want to support a community-run, open-source project, Please go to swiftpackageindex.com, look for the pink heart, and join over 100 other people who support our work through GitHub sponsors. Thanks so much, Leo, and we'll let you get back on with the show now.
0: So it seems like, would that be an issue, though, if you're using a lot of frameworks? It might increase the size of your app.
1: So that's actually one of the big benefits of an app clip. So... Well, let's talk about the restrictions, maybe. I think this is where it comes from. So okay. I think it's a common misconception about app clips because I think the first thing a developer may read, let's say a big company tasks their developer, hey, can we have an app clip, go look into it? And the first thing they see is, oh, there's a size limit on the binary. And it is now in iOS 16 it's 15 megabytes, but in 14 and 15 it was 10 megabytes. And so you can imagine having a large app that's hundreds of megabytes, a social network app or music streaming app or something like that, and you may immediately go, oh, there's no way we could do this. And I think the trick here is that, yes, you are constrained by a size limit, but if you plan correctly, and it depends on your use case, of course, you can do a lot with that little size. So let's just say the most restrictive, I was 14 or 15, you've got 10 megabytes depending on your use case let's say you're doing camera let's say you're doing sort of like computer vision stuff right you need to scan documents take selfies whatever let's say before app clips you were using like a cross platform library like google's ml kit or something like that which is a fantastic library for doing all kinds of object recognition barcode scanning let's let's take a, a barcode scanner as a perfect example So you want to do barcode scanning, and so you're using ML Kit. Well, ML Kit itself is 45 megabytes, right? So if you were to look at the app clip, you go, well, we can't do it because you're going to blow your budget, right? But with the Apple frameworks, you can use most Apple frameworks besides the exclusion list, and you sort of get them for free. So those are not included in your app budget. So if you were to take that barcode scanning app, and rewrite it in Vision, in Vision Kit, and use the Apple native barcode scanning. Well, now you've taken what would be, let's say, 45 megabytes for your barcode scanning library, five megabytes for your very simple code, UI code. So it's 50 megabytes. Well, now you've gotten that down to five megabytes or two megabytes, right? Just by using Vision, because those symbols don't count against your budget. They're already included in the, in the OS. So depending on your use case, the libraries that you're able to use, if you can lean heavily on Apple libraries, assuming they're supported, uh, you can do a lot with a very little.
0: What are some features or libraries that you cannot use or don't have access to in
1: an app clip? Sure. So I'm looking right now because I'm reading, there is a list. uh, We could link to the docs later, but I'm just reading here. There are things, let's see, no functionality at runtime. It says asset libraries, care kit, contacts, there, there's several core motion, event kit. So there, there's a few messages, things like that. There are also a couple of restrictions. So there's no background networking. And what I mean by that is um, not, you can't do any background tasks in URL session, right? But you can do things like background threads, right? So you can still do like GCD type threading and background queues and things like that. But that's assuming the app clip is in the foreground. If you move it to the background, Mm -hmm. any sort of background tasks, or sorry, those wouldn't work, but any sort of other networking would would sort of pause. There's some restrictions on Bonjour and things like, In CloudKit was not available in 14 to 15, but now is available read-only in 16. So it depends on what you're trying to do. But the rule of thumb is that everything else besides that list is available. Right. That's a big list of things to be available in a small app clip. No it really is. Yeah,
0: exactly. Okay, so let's say let's start with the scenario where you want to start a brand new app. What would you recommend someone do if they're going to start a brand, a brand new green app and use app clips? What would how would you plan for that,
1: I guess? Sure. So I would say it's important to bring up there's probably two approaches or two scenarios. One is if you have an existing app and you want to add an app clip. Another is if you sort of starting Greenfield and you can sort of start new. The only reason why that matters is in the case I mentioned before, if you have an existing app and you maybe have your own internal frameworks or you're using external frameworks or lots of libraries, all those libraries may or may not be an efficient use of space or code. And so if you're starting with an existing app, you need to plan what functionality actually you need in your app clip to get the job done. So first, sort of do an audit and figure out, in the experience that we want to bring in the app clip, what is the minimum amount of functionality and code that we need to get that job done? And in the example I gave before about a barcode scanner, if you're using a library that blows your budget anyway, well, then you're going to have to rethink how to do that, right? But it's actually very simple, and this goes for the Greenfield experience too. It's just another target. So you can literally just click visibility and share code between your app clip target and your main app, right? Where it might get into a problem, again, with an existing app is if you have like this dependency chain where including one file means you're including the other file and the other file and all and this other framework and this other framework, and all of a sudden you've got 60 megabytes of included symbols in your app clip, which won't compile. That you don't even use. Exactly, right. So you may need to do some separation of functionality, right? And so, yeah, maybe you end up writing, rewriting some of that code into much slimmer versions or using Apple alternatives as opposed to external libraries.
0: So I guess my question was going to be like, is an app clip essentially... You said a target. Is it like basically an extension on the app and then the extension packages the app clip? Is that kind of how it works? Similar to like an Apple Watch
1: app? So that's actually a really great question and an important point to bring up. It is not an extension. This is also what I assumed it would be like when I first started looking into this. Oh, it's an extension and you're going to have limitations on every extension. Like networking is going to be deprioritized and all these other things that come along with an extension. And that's not the case. It's not an extension. It's a new target that is purely native app with none of those restrictions. So there's the restrictions we talked about, about some symbols not being available or at runtime. But other than that, it works just like a normal app. There's no other, like networking is not deprioritized. So yeah, it's actually, it works as you would expect a native app to work. And then when you upload it to the
0: app store, I guess Apple will take care of making sure whatever the customer wants to get, whether it be the app clip or the actual app, they all take care of the delivery of that. Because obviously the person isn't getting the, well, I guess we'll talk about it. I guess, how do you get the app? How does a user get the app
1: clip? Well, let's start with the Apple side. So the basic steps are you create a new target, an app clip target, You add code to it or share code or whatever you want to do. You need to support universal links. So that's the mechanism in which which it works. So you have to create app links and you have to create an Apple site association file. So anything to do with universal links, you have to implement that. And then in App Store Connect, there are these things called app clip experiences, which you create. And there's a basic app clip experience. And then there's what they call an advanced app clip experience, which is not really advanced. To me, most people are going to use the advanced one. The basic one only works if you are triggering it from a Safari app banner. But most people are going to want more than that. So the other invocation methods, I hope I don't don't skip one here, but there's six or seven of them. So there's Safari browser and an app clip where you get an app clip icon and then an open button and then the app clip launches. QR codes or app clip codes, which are Apple's sort of styled QR codes, which is the most common QR code. Yes, QR code and Apple App Clip code, which is a QR code. It's just you've seen the round ones. It's with the Apple logo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and you can create all those yeah. on App App Store Connect. But there are other ones, so you can do things that are location based. So you can set like a geofence, and it doesn't pop up when you enter the geofence, but the App Clip is scoped to that region. So if you had a coffee shop and let's say you put a billboard above your coffee shop and it's a coupon for 20% off. And when Mm -hmm. someone gets to your coffee shop, you want them to scan the QR code on the billboard and get their coupon and order in in the app clip. Well, you could scope that where if you were two miles away and you could see the billboard or it wouldn't launch the app clip, that kind of thing. So location-based stuff. So you can do like a geocaching experience.
0: So say that again, if you're in the boundary, what will your iPhone do?
1: So if you're in the boundary and you have an invocation, an existing invocation, Safari, QR codes, all that, it will first check to make sure you're in the region and then it will proceed with the invocation. So if you're outside of the region, you won't be able to launch that app clip. Like nothing will happen. So it's a way to like limit
0: where that app clip can be activated. Yes. Because you need the QR code still or the, another way to do it. Also, along with the the geofence.
1: Yes. The location version just scopes the ability to invoke an app clip. Can
0: you pass parameters in? Like let's say yes. you have several locations and you set up several scopes and you say this scope goes to store 12. Yes. You can do that as well.
1: Yes. And uh That's another super secret hidden power of app clips is passing parameters in. So when you set up the app clip in App Store Connect, you give Apple like a base URL. And so you can give them a URL of just a subdomain or a domain or a domain slash Leo or something like that. And anything that you actually encode in your QR codes or your invocation URLs or a link that you may send. So another invocation is via messages. I can send you a text message and you can just tap that in messages and the app clip comes right up in messages or over the top of messages. So you can pass anything else you want on that URL, right? And then you can grab that URL in the launch of your app clip and then you can parse that with your own logic, call to your database, customize the experience however you want you can get extremely creative with that feature and get around some things that are harder to do let's say in a main app yeah 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 okay by the way i don't know if we covered the the apple side of thing the one important thing there point is that you enter this url apple will then spider your website to check for your apple site association file and in that file is where you declare your just like a universal link but you would declare app clips, the exact URLs you want to handle. And so that's how Apple makes the connection and says, this is legit. You own the URL that you are claiming you do. And then they cache those on the Apple side, the OS side. So they come up extremely quick. Would you be able to go so far as to like
0: log in with an app clip? Yes. Oh, for sure. Okay. The one thing I could see that is beneficial to having an app over a website is you'll want to track your points by whichever restaurant you're going to. And so they might want to have that login ability to like track your points with that store or or restaurant or whatever.
1: You're restricted from background networking when the app clip is in the background, but in the foreground, you're very unrestricted unless you're doing some local bonjour type networking, but you can do anything URL session can do in the foreground, right? So... Sure, you want to do a login? Do a login. You can do web sockets. You can do all kinds of stuff in the while you're in the foreground. You can even use the secure enclave. So if you want to sign keys and use secure keys, you can do it that way. So I wouldn't say a trick, but the thing to consider in the use case you talked about is an important point in App Clips is that an App Clip only gets served to the user if they do not have the main or parent app installed, right? I don't know that this was obvious to me when I started working in this, and maybe it's obvious in hindsight, but so if you have an invocation, it will work for your app clip. And remember, the intention of an app clip is to only be a subset of your main or parent app's functionality, not to be a replacement for. So when you're planning your experience, what you don't want to do is plan for an app clip only experience or the main app experience, right? This, whatever you can do in your app clip should be, and Apple will enforce this at review time, that that functionality is available in your main app as well. The idea is that when they don't have the main app installed, you can still get your work done, right? But once a user installs the main app and they go to the invocation URL or, or a QR code, the universal link part will kick in and it will just open up the main app.
0: Hey folks, I'm here once again, to let you know about Transistor FM. If you're looking to start a podcast or you currently have a podcast, I highly recommend checking Transistor out. It's got one of the best podcast publishing platforms I've ever seen. If you're looking to host a podcast, it has all the tools you need for analytics, building a website and distributing your podcast to a variety of places like Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google overcast, and more. You can embed their podcast player. Or even you can link to it through social media with automated integration to services like Twitter, MailChimp, and Mastodon. If you want to give Transistor a try, go and use the link in the show notes below. I've been using Transistor for three, four years now, and it's been fantastic. And they continue to add new features like importing people and doing all sorts of things with template tags in your show notes if you're doing any sort of marketing campaigns and more. Do yourself a favor, go to the link in the show notes, give Transistor a try. I've been loving them. You can check out other folks like Compile Swift and a few other of the podcasts in our community and see how much they love them. Give it a try. And if you're looking to start that podcast or you want to move to a new host, now's the perfect time here in 2023. Thank you and enjoy the rest of the show. So if you do all this stuff for the app clip that we had talked about with QR codes and things like that, if somebody had the main app installed, it would just go to the main app.
1: Exactly. And that's when you would use universal links to point them to the same experience that they would have had in the app clip. So that way the invocation method still gives the user the experience that they expect. It's just opening up the main app, not the app clip itself. I guess... Since you've built a few, or at least one app clip with
0: name tag, would have been kind of some brick walls that you've hit. That you're like, okay, this cannot go in the app clip. Let's put this in the main app and and figure out a way to get people to the main app.
1: It's a great question. In our use case, I'm not off the top of my head thinking of anything because a we started greenfield, which was helpful, and b we did the planning. Actually, I mean. It's the thing that I already talked about. It's libraries that we were already using in our existing main app for certain types of computer vision. We had to rewrite them in the Apple way. I shouldn't say the Apple way, using Apple frameworks. We were able to replicate all of the experiences in a fraction of the space because the symbols were not included. It really wasn't a roadblock. It was something sort of expected, but uh, that was the reality. Originally, we said, oh, let's try to use our existing libraries because we've already got them and it just didn't work.
0: How are you architecturing your app and app clip in Xcode in such a way that you have shared code and like, do you use like a a shared framework for both apps and then another framework for your, your main app that augments it? Or like what exactly are you doing for modularization?
1: Sure. So because we were Greenfield, We built the app clip out first, mostly because it was a proof of concept. We thought it would work, but we needed to be sure it would work. And we wanted to run into any undocumented gotchas as soon as possible. So we sort of invested in the app clip and built our experience only in the app clip. Because if there was something undocumented that we were going to find, we wanted to find it sooner rather than later. So we built our app clip out first and then actually started building the main app and actually shared the app clip code with the main app. If I was going to do this again now, now that I'm familiar, it doesn't really matter. But I guess I would do it the other way. I would just be conscious of what we share. Now, to your point, you can certainly build frameworks and share them between targets as well. So I would definitely advise that as a general practice, not just because of app clips, But again, just be wary if you have frameworks that are shared. Are those frameworks doing more than they should? And even if you have a framework that is seven megabytes, cool. Okay, but now you have three megabytes in in the older OSs. You have three megabytes to do everything else you wanted to do, right? We also, because we were Greenfield, we did everything in SwiftUI. I can't tell you if... In this case, UI kit would have been heavier. I don't know because we didn't use UI kit for it. But everything was great in Swift UI. How do you even tell how
0: large your app is? Like what what's the metrics and Xcode that will tell you that?
1: Yeah. So when you go through the export process, there's actually so before you ship to the store, if you save locally, there's an app thinning size report that gets generated in the bundle if you save it locally and it's just a text file and it will actually tell you how big your app and app clip or at least your app clip target is and it shows you let's say the size of your binary and then the app thinned version of your binary which is important too right so remember depending on which hardware you're building for even if you're building for all phones the sizes are going to be slightly different after app thinning but it does make a difference so even if you've got a 6 or 7 meg app after app thinning that could be 2 or 3 megs. and the app store will tell you this too if you know you've got it under the budget and you can ship it to app store connect you can go into the you can go to the metadata of the app and it will show you the size of the app clip as well
0: okay so my other question was going to be like let's say you aren't going green and you have to integrate app an app clip in an existing app. How would you go
1: about doing that? So I would, again, just create a new target, create an app clip target, start sharing code with your app clip or, or writing code. I will say this, maybe this is important to bring up. The app clip testing experience is pretty unique and it has some potential drawbacks, but uh, maybe that's important to talk about is how to test your app clip. So building your app clip is there's nothing fancy about it. Create an app clip target, set up your universal links, and then start writing code or sharing code. However, testing is a little bit interesting. So, assuming you've got an app clip that's under budget, you can get it onto TestFlight. TestFlight will recognize you have an app clip. It will actually have a separate button for app clip and you can touch that button and it will just launch the app clip on its own. Now, this is for stakeholders, right? So, if you have stakeholders on test flight, they can just tap the app clip button in test flight and it will just launch the app clip and show you that. What you cannot do on test flight is test your invocations. And that could be problematic. If you're doing some big, huge ad campaign or marketing campaign and your QA or stakeholders are really trying to verify that you can scan a QR code and it will pop up the right experience. Or to your point earlier, if you're passing in all kinds of properties and variable parameters into your URL and you need to verify that the parameters are doing the right thing and you've got 10 or 100 different QR codes that all have slight variations or parameters, it's very difficult to test that in TestFlight. It's kind of like a trust me scenario. And so that's a little, I think, what was lacking. Now, what you can do, so if the stakeholders have that problem on TestFlight, but as a developer, you have advantages that stakeholders do not have. As a developer, you can go into your developer app on your phone, which, of course, you only get uh, once you've connected to Xcode, and maybe now is only in developer mode, I'm not sure. But in the developer app, you have a way to create what they call local experiences. And local experiences are how, how you, the developer, can test your app clip and actually test a real invocation. So a local experience, basically, you enter in all the URL, the experience URL, the same thing you would set up in App Store Connect, but it only is active for your phone. And what it does is it's sort of like a local, the way to think about it is like a local DNS redirect, right? It's not what it is, but think of it that way. So as a developer, you say, when I scan a QR code that has This URL with this parameter and all this stuff, don't go out to the web, just treat it as a local experience and give me the experience as if it resolved on the web. And so that will pop up your app clip locally. And as a developer, you can sort of see what the experience is going to be like. Unfortunately, your stakeholders are not able to do the same thing. So that can be a little frustrating. And those invocations will only work in production. So there's a little bit of leap of faith there, and that can be difficult. But Other than that, it's pretty smooth.
0: And I assume you need a real phone. You can't just do this in simulator? Do
1: local experiences work in the simulator? I don't remember. I don't. I always test on a device. Okay. I would assume you'd run into issues with that, but I could
0: be totally wrong.
1: Selfishly, the app clip that I was building was very computer vision heavy. And so I was not testing on a simulator anyway for those reasons. So.
0: Okay, before we close out, how would you get a user to go from the app clip to to an app?
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's a great subject. So Apple actually details their recommended way to do this in the docs, but I'll just briefly describe that. So let's take in the the example that you brought up earlier, like having a user sign in. If you can get that user to sign in, create an account, something like that on your app clip, the big question is like, well, when they go to my main app, How do I recognize them? So you can lean on app groups for this. So if you set up an app group with your app clip, you get sort of shared storage like you would get with any other app group, right? So I guess the strategy there is save some piece of non-sensitive data, a hashed user ID or something that you got from that user when they logged in. Obviously, don't put any sensitive information because if you're storing in, let's say, user defaults or something, you don't want someone to find that. But, you know, hash it or something like that, right? Some sort of token. Could you do security groups? Like, kind of like app groups, but for, for the keychain? As far as I know, you can use the keychain. Yes. Yes, you can use the keychain as well, I believe. Okay, okay, yeah. The idea here, though, is that Yes, I believe you can. There, there is information on the docs on that, so I would refer to that for the specific answer. I don't want to misspeak on that, say the wrong thing. But this is the idea. I'll drop some piece of information, keychain or otherwise, and then in your main app, assuming that this person is going to then download your app at some time in the future, add to your startup sequence searching for that sort of token. And if that token is found, go to your backend, resolve it, welcome, Leo, welcome back, Leo, and then hydrate the entire experience from them in the main app. The other thing you get in an app clip only is you get a specific type of App Store banner called an App Store Overlay banner. So you can invite someone to download the main app, put a button, and then this particular, at least there's a UI kit and a Swift UI version, but App Store Overlay banner comes up. It's an App Store banner, and it's got an install button. and if you click the rest of the banner, it will take you to the App Store to download the app, like a deep link to the App Store. Cool. But if you actually just tap the download or install button, it will download in the background in place asynchronously. So it won't take you out of the experience. It will download the main app right there without taking the user away. That That's the most seamless way if you can use that. Anything else you want to touch on before we close out? Well, I haven't done it. I think there's some really interesting things that are going to be coming out with app clips. I think the location-based app clips and there's even AR slash VR app clip invocations. And I have a hunch that this is going to be something that we may find great value in in the coming years as uh, Apple kind of ventures into this area. I think combining location with sort of VR invocations where you can download 3D models in place and have these experiences, I think is going to be very interesting. I think e-commerce as well is going to be very interesting for for App Clips. So,
0: What's a market you think that this would be useful for? We've talked a lot about stores and restaurants. Where do you think
1: something like this is missing in the market? I have a feeling that location-based and AR, VR stuff, I think, could be sort of like a metaverse type play where you are traveling in locations either in the real world or in other worlds. And uh, you can sort of have experiences, AR experiences that are sort of loaded over AR VR. Mapping, when you add a location experience, you can ask that it be included in Apple Maps. You can do that now. So for your coffee shop, if you can have that experience tied to your actual location in Apple Maps. So I, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff that's that's going to happen. And we'll see. See where it goes. Well thank you so much, John, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Leo. This is really fun. I appreciate the invite. Where can people find you online? Uh I'm co-veloper at most socials, uh Instagram or probably for programming stuff more interesting on Twitter or Mastodon, you can find me there too.
0: And we'll provide links to that in the show notes. People can find me at Leo G Dion. My company is Bright Digit. Take some time to review if you really like this episode and or like, and subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube. Also, if you can't take some time to fill out the survey for empower apps. I'm looking forward to the last episode of the year where I'll answer some of your questions. So please for questions you want me to answer, let me know for the last episode of the year. John, thank you so much again for coming on. Thank you, Leo. And we'll see you all next time. Bye.